on average, we're saving you know some organizations a significant amount of money. Yeah, we've in total we've saved organizations well over five hundred million dollars. Hello and welcome to Hymnscast. I'm Susan Morse, executive editor of Healthcare Finance News. We're talking today with Eric Demers, who is CEO of Mataket Health. Welcome, Eric. Hi, great. Nice to meet you, Susan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm wondering if you can start by telling us about yourself and about Mataket Health. Yeah, I'd love to. So I've been, me personally, I've been in the healthcare industry pretty much my entire career. Um, been very focused on working in the last, I'd say, 10 years in organizations that are trying to do something to improve healthcare through technology, right? So I'm a big believer in, you know, trying to take some of the waste out of the system, um, move the needle forward a little bit where we can. And that's really what brought me over to Mannequin Health a couple of years ago. I really liked what they were doing around data and trying to um, solve a lot of the administrative burden challenges between providers and payers that they have to, you know, take on in order to be in business together in order to, you know, deliver great patient care. Uh, it seemed like there's a lot of better ways to do that in Medicaid Health with tackling that problem from an industry perspective uh, and trying to help both sides uh, remove, and you know, a lot of wasted time, quite frankly, automate the process as best possible in order to connect the two sides. So, you know, Medicaid Health was founded with the premise of, of trying to remove waste from the system. Uh, we are a SaaS platform company. Uh, we're very focused on data uh, and using and digitizing information. Uh, well, we've been doing that for uh, since 2015. Um, and today we've worked with about over 80% of all provider groups in the United States. So we definitely have uh, touched a lot of, a lot of uh, organizations. That's quite a number, 80% of provider groups. What are they telling you, Eric, about uh, waste and how your uh, automation can help that. You know, well, the biggest challenge we hear is that there's just not enough hours in the day for the amount of administrative apps and items that are, you know, bestowed upon them. We'll say it that way. And if you think about how can we help them, you know, limit some of that, make it better for them so they can focus more on care, which is what they really want to do. Um, it's, you know, just remove some of the headaches and, and the way we talked about from a platform perspective, if if you're a provider, uh, most providers work with you know 20 plus different insurance companies you know, in order to uh, manage their book of business with their patients. And for every payer, they basically have to go and do the same administrative type of work over and over and over again. And it's not, it's usually not digitized. It's not automated. It requires manual effort by someone uh, in either themselves or someone in their practice. And it was better ways to be able to do that. So um, when we looked at the providers, they're always asking us, how can you help us remove some of that waste from the system? And that's, and that's a big, big focus of ours in our conversations. Are you finding that it's helping? Are they telling you about, you know, percent of waste that's been able to be eliminated or time taken back? And I imagine this goes to the whole question of burden for, for physicians and clinicians and administrators. Absolutely. It, it's a huge issue. Uh, we've definitely seen just by the using our own platform for the piece of the business relevant to them that we focus on, you know, we're giving them back many hours in their weeks and many hours in their months. Um, on average, we're saving, you know, some organizations a significant amount of money. Yeah, you know, we've in total, we've saved organizations well over $500 million. 
uh, and penalties and costs, right? So there's there's a lot of um, areas we can help improve, whether it be time and shaving. So I, I'll give you an example. If, if a provider is enrolling with an insurance company to, to be in business together and they go through all the steps, today it typically takes three to six months on, on a, you know, depending on how fast things are moving to get through that process in order to take that next step to work together. Um, and they have to do that for all different payers that they work with. So when we use a platform, it consolidates all their data. It uses technology, it uses, you know, more of a, you know, uh, machine learning type of approach in order to uh, make sure that you're engaging with all the payers where they want to be engaged. You're sending the right information. Uh, it's double checking before it goes. So there's, you know, lot, no manual errors, which are the biggest challenge uh, with the double process. And then now we've seen that process cut down to weeks, months max, right? So we're really accelerating their time to market, which means they can get the patient care faster as well. What I'm hearing you say is this is mostly the waste that goes into provider and payer interactions. A lot of waste there. Um, and you, you're also referring to the No Surprises Act, and I'm wondering how that fits into administrative waste. Yeah, that's been a, uh, you know, since CMS came out with their regulations for the No Surprises Act and following on the transparency regulations, what we've seen is that, you know, the implementation at both the provider level and at the insurance level last year caused a lot of um, challenges on the data side. And the reason for the, and the No Surprises Act is that in order to be able to effectively uh, communicate to your consumer, you, you being the, the insurance company, if the consumer asks, uh, as they have the right to, what the cost of, of services at various locations in their region or their zip code, uh, so they can better understand what's the best opportunity and cost for them. They have to be able to be told by their insurer with certainty what that looks like. The challenge in a lot of insurance companies is that the provider directories that they have are not accurate and not up to date. Um, and then there's not an automated way today, typically, that that information is transferred from the providers to the payers, which has caused a large challenge. So when if a payer can't say with certainty that a provider is in network for that consumer or is in that location, then they can't provide the accurate cost. And this has caused a lot of difficulty in the payer side and the provider side. So that's an area where we've been getting involved because our uh, provider data management services and our provider directory services uh, allows us to ingest the rosters from the providers that they would have to send to the payers. Um, do that for all of their providers in, our, in their particular geographic region, normalize that data, and then be able to serve that back up to the payer to then be able to use that information in order to satisfy the No Surprises Act, which has been a big challenge for a lot of these organizations. Um, it's So far, it's been a great solution. The fact that we also transact as an organization, we don't just you know aggregate data. There are companies that do that. We, we aggregate the data on every half, but we also, our providers are doing transactional um, tasks along the way, typically, which allows them to attest to their own information firsthand. So we know that the information is accurate from them, uh, which is another big challenge, even when data is gathered. Do they know it's, how old is it? Is it accurate? Is that, you know, was last time it was updated. Um, so we find that we're in a, uh, a positive location because of the, those two things coming together. 
Are you saying that provider directories are part of the No Surprises Act, that that was included in there? Because I, I wasn't aware of that. It's not included in the fact that it's, you know, there's, there's been some new um, uh, regulations, not regulations, there's been new um, um, exploration, we'll say it that way, by CMS about should we do provide, national provider directory and, and what, what would that look like in many years to come. But provider directory is involved here by default because in order for the payers to be able to accurately provide the information that's, that they're required to do so, they have to have uh, more accurate provider information in their systems than they do today, which has then led to that focus on provider directory. How do we get better information into the system? And it's my understanding the payers are responsible for updated provider directories, right? They're the ones that have they, that, they that are. have the responsibility. So they, so, they're responsible. Um, it's two-sided conversation because the providers are required to send their updated roster information uh, every three months or every 90 days at a minimum. All right. So there's that burden on them. And then, but then from a, um, from a consumer perspective, from a penalty perspective, which is always where the focus tends to be, right? The, the focus is on the insurance companies to make sure that information is available and accurate. Um, and so this kind of both sides are have a hand in it, but the, the burden definitely falls more on the church side. Um, thank you for this, Eric. I'm wondering, what does this mean for patients? All of uh, the automation and making things smoother between providers and payers, do they benefit from this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's in multiple ways, right? So if you're a consumer and you want more accurate, if you want accurate information on your providers, you want to be able to understand if I want to see a, determ a dermatologist, are they in my network or not? So when I show up and I find out, oh, I, it says you're in network, but I, and I go to see that provider and I find out they say they're not, or it says they're accepting new patients and they're not. We've all seen that before. Uh, there's a lot of different you know avenues from a directory perspective that a consumer is engaging with on the payer side who wants the right information in order to get their best result. So there, there's one piece. Then, um, on the provider side, in order to um, effectively be able to provide the care that they want to provide with, with their patients, they have to be in compliance with those payers, they have to be enrolled in those payers, they have to be credentialed. There's a whole bunch of steps that require for them to be in a good work relationship. Those things expire over time, right? You know, they're not forever once you sign up to the time limit on them. And what happens is providers are so busy with everything going on and most times they'll have an automated solution that sometimes those things lapse and unknowingly to them, or they just didn't, you know, they weren't up to speed as to when the right timing was or to start the process too late. Now they have to reset the clock and reapply like they would any other time. And they may have a gap now of months before they can actually see patients from that insurer, uh, drop a drop a claim against it. Um, and you don't want to be the patient who shows up in that gap and thought that your provider was, you know, on, your insurance and all of a sudden you get a, a bill or a surprise bill, right? Because there was a gap there, a lapse in coverage. So there's definitely challenges on all sides there. Um, so better data all the way around will help, definitely helps uh, alleviate some of the challenges for, for patients. What do you see for the future of automation? Where's this going? A lot more data. Uh, and we've seen a lot on the patient side in the last 10 years, right? You know, with, with the big focus on EMRs and, and you know, the, the meaningful use push there, 
has allowed us to digitize a lot more patient information. Now we're trying to they're trying to organize that in a useful manner. But now we need to see that more on the revenue cycle side. We need to see it more on the finance side and other provider focusing sides uh, in order to bring those two pieces together. And I think as we do that over the next few years, next we'll say five years out, we'll have a much better understanding of how both sides interact from a data perspective, where the opportunities are, how to improve the care, how to be more efficient, more effective, how to be, you know, eliminate some of the compliance challenges that go on. Um, I will, we'll see a lot more AI and ML in the future, machine learning on that side in order to help affect um, some of that processing, uh, probably replace um, some of the manual effort that requires workers to do today. And since we have a, a pretty significant worker shortage in healthcare, anything we can do to help you know, automate more pieces will certainly help the folks on the ground. Great. Eric, it's been a pleasure having you on HIMSCast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, Susan. Have a great day. You too.